I get to see people in their raw, unfiltered selves and who mm -hmm. people truly are without all of the pretending and the trying and the pleasing and the performing and the perfecting. That's the beautiful part. That's what I am drawn to. That's what all humans are drawn to. And we think mm -hmm. the things that make us unlovable are actually the things that make us the most lovable. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward. Yes, yes, yes. Copeland. Yes, yes. I yes. hate the way your intros go, but whatever. This is an exciting episode. This is episode number 134, and we've got a great guest for you. And I want to dive right in, and then I'll pass it over to her and you, and we can talk about our what in the world as a group. But I want you to meet Julia Christina. She holds a master's in counseling psychology. She's a registered clinical counselor and therapist. She's a researcher. She's a mindset coach. She's the creator of The Shift Society, very similar to The Push, right? She helps heart-centered humans break through the crap that's holding them back so that they can get unstuck and move towards the things that life you know, has to offer to them and who they're meant to be. Since 2012, she's grown her small counseling practice into a team of several mental health professionals who are all focused on giving tough love and having those conversations to help people move forward. She's a mom of three small children, four, seven, and eight, I think, right? She's a public speaker. She's a YouTube sensation and has nearly 285,000 YouTube subscribers. She's our friend, and now she gets to add the title author to her resume because as of today, Julia's book comes out, and it's called Drive Your Own Darn Bus, How to Get Mentally Strong and Into the Driver's Seat of Your Life. And so welcome, friend. Yay! Yay! I'm, so, I'm so glad to be here with both of you. Okay, before we get started, because we're today going to be talking about something very important, and that is when life is just simply not going your way. It feels overwhelming, and there's a million reasons why life could feel like it's not going your way. But before we do, we start off every episode with a what in the world. So Eddie has a what in the world, and maybe you'll come up with one too, Julia. So what's your well, what in the world, Eddie? What in the world is, okay, so before we got on and started recording, mm -hmm. we were just chatting and talking about the, the kids' ages, right. right? And it never fails anytime we talk about how old our kids are. The next thing people say is, have you have seen you watched Euphoria? Euphoria? Yeah. So my one wrote is, what is going on in euphoria and why? And why did you ask that, Julia? Why should we be so concerned? I, have you seen it? <laughs> no. No, not yet. Okay. Well, I keep here. Well, I just kept seeing memes about it on social media and it's like all the rage and all. Well, and no one in my real life is talking about it, but everyone <laughs> online is talking about it. I'm like, what is this show? Like maybe it's, it seems like a little bit of like a modern day gossip girl. Let's mm -hmm. give it a try. And so we watched it the other night and I was yeah. like holy crap 
This is like teenage porn. <laughs> These kids are like 15, 16 years old. And oh my God. I am never, this is what they're doing. And I am never letting my daughters out of the house. <laughs> I'm like, they are locked up until they are 25. Like just so that everyone knows, yes. like this is not what I was doing when I was 15. Is this yeah. what's happening? I was like, right. the worst of my transgressions when I was 15 was like walking around the streets with my friends pretending to drink and acting drunk because my parents would be picking up and I'm like, be picking me up. And I'm like, my parents are picking me up at 1030. I can't actually be drunk. So I'll just right. pretend to drink and act drunk so I don't look lame. Like That was like the worst of what I was doing at 15. And these girls and these kids, and I'm like, this is what's coming. So when I saw this, I was shocked and appalled. And so I'm just very right. curious about how you got your girls through teenagerhood. <laughs> I'm like, please right. tell me how to do it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you that we did not have a lot of bumpers and boundaries, but we really, we welcomed open communication. So for example, the youngest was like, mom, there's this really inappropriate show and I want to get your permission. Can I watch it? And I was like, inappropriate, like how? And she's like, drug, sex, boys, all of it. And I go, okay, are you mature enough to handle that? And she goes, yeah. I said, Okay, are you mature enough to know like right from wrong? Are you mature enough? So we had an open communication conversation about it. And I said, you promise that if you watch it and there's something highly inappropriate that you're questioning, you come to us for questions and clarification, not your dumb friends who are ignorant and, you know, not well-versed in life. And she said, yeah. And it has sparked a lot of great conversation. And so we let her watch it, but... My sister, who has small children like you, is like, oh, my God, you let her watch this. And I'm like, you know how mature she is. And she's also talked to us about a lot of this. But from what I hear, what I gather, we should watch it because yeah, there's a I, lot of penises. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little afraid. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think I <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was like, I'm a grown up and I have watched even like Sex in the City and I was disturbed by this show. I was like, mm. I don't think I can watch anymore. Like I kind of had this sick feeling in my stomach. It's, it's all of it. It's all of the sex and the drugs mm. and the partying and like, you know, borderline like rape and stuff like that. And I'm like, I yeah. just, this is just, I can't be entertained by this. I just don't think I yeah. can be entertained by this. What if yeah. you watched it from the lens of, okay, these are conversations I've got to beat, you know, television and the media to to my kids to have these conversations so that, you know, if they do stumble across a show like this, it's not the first time they're hearing about this stuff. No, I'm just locking them up. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, what, what's interesting is, is like one of the things that I think we try to do is not to like bring a lot of shame to no some taboo. of these. Act yeah. And I think that when you make it taboo and, and, and you can't talk about it, like you had an open conversation with, with, our, with Jordan, what ends up happening is they feel like they do have to hide it. And like, just like in the theme of this episode, like when things don't go well in your, in your life, people don't necessarily ask for help. They mm -hmm. kind of go into place of shame. And I think kids, especially who don't know, understand the world says, well, the only way I can get through it, through this is is to keep it a secret, not yeah, tell my parents that I know about it. Right? Mm -hmm. I'll just play stupid if they do. But talk if to I'm me shocked, about like you were shocked, um, I'm going to go back and just retroactively lock them back up. <laughs> just like, okay, you know what? This could have happened. Not sure if it did. 
but you're staying in your room until I feel better about myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is true. Like having that open dialogue. I mean, I would not probably let my children watch this show, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, talking about They're, choices and about young. influence. Yeah. Yeah. Even when they were yeah. older, to be honest, like even when they're older, it's pretty. <laughs> no, like it's pretty gritty. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty gritty. Yeah. You. We're going to watch it tonight. We're going to watch it tonight. So there's like nothing's mm-hmm. off the table. Like. I will say one of the episodes um, that they filmed during COVID was very much about addiction and it was more of like a just two person kind of dialogue in the whole entire episode. And it was beautiful from like an acting perspective and a storyline. And Jordan was so moved by it that she said, Mom, I want you to watch this. This is one of the most incredible episodes I've ever seen on television. Mm -hmm. And so that was, you know, sparked a whole conversation about addiction and teenage addiction and and just like, you know, finding a mentor and like who saves you and can you save yourself? And so that sparked a great conversation. But I will go back. And then I asked her, I said, should we be watching that? And she said, I think you should watch it just so you know what it is. You should watch it, but don't watch it with me. That would be kind of awkward. I was like, yeah, I totally feel you. Nobody wants to sit next to their parents and watch a sex scene. That's like the most embarrassing yeah. thing. So yeah. even to this day, I'm like, uh, yeah. my mom's here. Oh, and man, your mom. Like, can my parents handle this? Can <laughs> <laughs> they handle this? Right. So kind of segueing into like the mental health and the fact that, you know, there's shame around things and things don't go your way. You're an expert when it comes to therapy because you you've earned a degree, you've got a master's and you have a practice and you help people. Can we talk about like what kind of state people are in when they come to you? Because I would imagine and I could be wrong people think that there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with their life or there's something wrong with their world. And then they finally, if they're smart, break down and say, I think I might need some help. So let me go seek some therapy. Is that an accurate kind of? Um, Somewhat, right? I think there used to be this idea that you only go to therapy if like your life is absolutely falling apart. You are absolutely falling apart. You can't cope. You're going crazy. Like everything is just out of control. And it used to be that, yeah, it was this whole idea that a therapist is someone you go to only when things are like mm. dire. And I think that's shifting now because a lot of my clients are just regular people who are like, I think I can have better, right? Yeah. Like, I think I can feel better. I think I can do things better. I think I can have better relationships. I think I can have better communication. I think I can deal with this stuff in my past so that it's not continuing to plague me. I'm not sort of living under this. I think that I can, I think that there's clouds hanging over me that I can clear. I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so I need some support in that. I need some tools around. I need someone to talk to, right? Like how great is it to spend an entire 50 minutes talking to someone who is there just to hold the space for you and be there for you. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel like you monopolize their entire hour, right? Like that's what they're there for. And as a therapist, and I think most therapists can attest to this, we develop really like strong, caring feelings for our clients, right? It's Mm -hmm. not like people like, oh, they're just paid to care. We are paid and we care. Right. Right. Like it's not together. It's, it's both of them exist at the same time. Cause how can you not, start to deeply care about someone who is being their true authentic selves, right? Like Mm. this is the beautiful thing about therapy is so often so many of us go through life, life with these masks on, with these personas, because we're trying to be lovable. We're trying to be worthy. We're trying to be good enough. And so we think we need to 
become something or someone else in order to be, you know, have this sense of love and belonging and acceptance. But then I get to see people in their raw, unfiltered selves and who Mm -hmm. people truly are without all of the pretending and the trying and the pleasing and the performing and the perfecting. That's the beautiful part. That's what I am drawn to. That's what all humans are drawn to, right? And we think Mm -hmm. the things that make us unlovable are actually the things that make us the most lovable, right? Being our authentic selves and and not thinking we have to put on. So I get that. I get that privilege every single day. And it's amazing how beautiful humans are underneath all the crap that we try to put on that to try and make ourselves appear, you know, beautiful, both physically or even, you know, emotionally, um, you know, mentally, all of that stuff. So yeah. That's great. I've wow. got the best job. You said quite a lot in that. And I have a question. So, you know, I think people may be listening to this and they're either thinking about doing therapy or they've done therapy and maybe they've walked away saying it didn't work. Even in the fitness industry, it's the same thing. Like people go to help and then for whatever reason, they can't find a way to get uh, to make it work for them. When you think about like what gets in the way of someone actually having a breakthrough, is there a common thing for most people? So I think I look at therapy in a different way and I use a lot of fitness metaphors, right? A lot of times people think, okay, I'm going to go work out really hard for a week. And if I don't come out with like rock hard abs and like an ass that you can bounce quarters off of, then it's not working. And I give up, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to you show up, you lift the weights, you, you know, do the, you know, you do the cardio and get your, your heart rate up. You do that, you know, in these intervals and in with that commitment on a regular basis, you show up and you do the work and you, you know, build those muscles and they start to form and you can't see yourself getting stronger in a moment. But when we understand about how muscles like tear and then rebuild, and it's this like slow kind of building process, it's the same way with our brain right? As we're working things out, as we're changing how we think, as we are healing kind of wounds from our past, as we are, you know, creating a healthier, stronger, more um, secure relationship with ourselves, these are, this is work that requires kind of continuous investment over time. And then in like a couple months, all of a sudden something happens, someone says something to you, someone makes a comment to you in a meeting and you, it doesn't ruin your whole day right? Mm. You don't go into this tailspin of like, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. Why did I say that? What are people thinking about me? You know, I don't deserve this. I don't belong here, whatever that is, right? You, you don't, you don't all of a sudden go into this tailspin because you've learned how to manage your mind. You've learned how to filter information that's coming in and you've developed that stronger sense of self so that things don't knock you down nearly as easily, but that's an investment over time. Same thing with, you know, going to the gym and building these muscles all of a sudden you lift up your kid and you don't strain your back. And you're like, yeah. I didn't even know I was getting stronger. But I just li- Did this child get lighter? Like what just happened? This just felt so much easier because you didn't see these changes happening, but they were. And so mm-hmm. that's a lot of what I do. And sometimes people do have big breakthroughs, right? Where they have this sort of big aha moment, but that is not sufficient to create lasting change. It feels good and it can be really like relieving but then we have to build on that. Now that I've had this breakthrough, now that I understand, now that I see things differently and understand myself differently, I have to keep going and sort of nurturing that shift. 
I can't just expect that it's yeah. going to change everything, right? Because our brains like to go back to the default. So that's why it's the same with muscles, right? If you stop working out, your muscles are not going to stay strong. They're going to go kind of back to the way they were before. So that continuous investment in that you keep picking up and lifting, right? You keep hopping on the treadmill or getting out and going for a run. If you want to keep yourself in like top cardiovascular strength, you have to keep nurturing that. You have to keep investing in that. It's the same with our brains, right? Our brains yeah. are yeah. like that as well, that we build. We don't just like change overnight. And that's why I call it the shift societies. They say, you know, big transformation happens one key shift at a time. And we mm -hmm. have these shifts every single day. And those small shifts add up to and eventually become these big transformations that we don't see in the moment, but are always happening if we are investing ourselves in it. I think that's huge because I think I think a lot of people think when I go to therapy, like I should have all of these quick like, epiphanies, like, aha, mm -hmm. oh my God, my mind's being blown every single time I go. And I, and I love what you said there because it is a process um, for change and, and it is very much like your, how your body is built. And it also made me think when you were saying it, it's like no one, but maybe some people do, question the fact that they don't just have automatic muscles. Mm -hmm. Like no one says... Like, like, why do you think they have BBLs well, now? <laughs> yes, know, but no one ever, no, but no one ever says, like, how come I just don't have muscles all, all of a sudden? But they do wonder, like, I think on the flip side of that, they go, why can't I handle this experience that happened? Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So I look at it from when you said that it made me think about like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I think people think that they should already have the, the tools and the strategies to handle things when they haven't done the actual work to, to build that up. So that's or they huge. don't know how. You mentioned something about like your brain not, get, you don't get a manual with it. Can you explain that? Well, and I mean, and I think that that's such a huge thing because I talk a lot about shame in my teaching because we shame ourselves and blame ourselves and criticize ourselves all the time for whatever it is we're doing or not doing including not being able to have the thoughts and feelings that we think that we should have. Like, don't take this personally, just get over it. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. Like we just let it go. Right. We tell ourselves and then we can't just do that. We're like, what's wrong with me? Why am I stressing about this or thinking about this or getting so upset about this or taking this so personally? Like what is wrong with me? And we judge and blame ourselves for it. Instead of understanding that we between our two ears and underneath the skull, we have the most complex machine on the planet. Research shows that we really only understand about 10 to 15% of the brain's capacity and what the brain does and how it works. Like 10 to 15%. Wow. This machine is so complex and we're just born with it, but get no instruction on how to use it. There's no manual, there's no resource. And we're kind of just left to our own devices to try to figure it out. Or we leave it to other people who also don't know what they're doing, right? Our yeah. parents, our influence, the people who influence us, they don't really know how to manage their own minds. And so they can't really teach us how to do it. And so we're all just kind of flailing around, trying to figure out, doing our best. And then we blame ourselves because we don't know how to use, mm -hmm. properly use this machine that no one ever taught us to, how to use properly and that never came with a manual. And so like reducing or even eliminating that shame from it and being like, okay, this is not going well. I would like to learn how to think better, feel better, show up differently, relate better, communicate better, love better, you know, give better. I want to figure out how to do this better. And so I need help learning how to do that. 
Mm. And there's no shame in that, right? There's, there, I think it's, you know, it's kind of a waste to sit and struggle on your own and then blame yourself for not knowing how to do something you've never been taught how to do rather than just being like, hey, this is tough. I need some help. Yeah. Okay. This is what comes to mind. I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way, but when you talk about a manual, it's like heavy machinery or like the most robust machinery, but you don't get a manual. It reminds me of my freaking iPhone. Like the iPhones do everything, right? And Eddie, you know, works for Apple. He sometimes says like, oh, you didn't know your phone did this? I'm like, screw you. How the hell am I supposed to know this? This phone doesn't even come with a manual. So I have no shame in not knowing how to use all the features of my phone because I know that there's no manual. Even though I say sometimes yeah. you should be ashamed of yourself for not knowing this. Stupid. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is like we immediately have shame around the things we think we should know better right. or we should be tougher around or we should have intrinsically known. But you're right. It didn't come with a manual. So the next time you find yourself beating yourself <laughs> up, I think you need to remind yourself like you're no different than an iPhone manual that does doesn't exist and you need to either you know lean into some like I have googled like how to use certain features on my phone I don't think we're googling like how to get better at getting through disappointment how to get through or better communicate with ourselves or stop shaming how to be kinder right? to ourselves right. Right, right not let our thoughts kind of you know irrational unhelpful destructive thoughts rule our lives right yeah. Well, you made me think of you saying that when Eddie's like, oh, you don't know how to use this feature. You don't know how to use this iPhone. Be, being like, screw you, right? And, or if someone was to come to you and be like, oh, like, why are you so sensitive? Being like, screw you. I've never really learned how to hold my sensitivity, right? Like, right, I've never right. learned. Because like, and that's a lot of the people that I speak with, a lot of the mm. people that come to me for individual therapy, even in my membership community, the Shift Society, the work I do isn't necessarily for a certain age or demographic. It's for a personality type. And I've realized this because I have people in my membership anywhere. We've got like 400 people in there and they're everywhere from like 25 to 75, right? Uh, mm. Men, women, uh, non-binary, like we have all kinds of people, but the one common thread is that they are highly sensitive, empathic, caring, compassionate people that mm. feel things big mm. and have never learned how to manage those big feelings in a way that doesn't make them feel like they're being kind of like swallowed by them. Right. Mm. And so the beautiful thing about being a deeply sensitive, empathic person is that I'm one too. And we love big, right. We love so big and we care so big and we're passionate and we are compassionate people. But it also means the flip side of that is that we feel other things big. We feel disappointment big. We feel mm. sadness big. We feel rejection big. We tend to overthink things a lot, right? We tend to kind of get stuck in like thought spirals and, and tend to also blame ourselves a lot for stuff. We're just intense people that have never really learned how to hone that intensity so that we can benefit from all the amazing things about it, but not let the flip side of it, so the shadow side of it, rule us or hold us back yeah. or, you know, keep us feeling not good. Right. And yeah. that's why I say like yeah. helping people get through the crap that's holding them back. And so much of the crap is our own sort of thoughts, ideas, and beliefs that we have in our brains that are not serving helpful or healthy. Julie, I have a question for you. So like you mentioned, we talked about shame and the feeling that we should know how to do this, right? 
where does that come from? Like, why do we feel like we should know how to handle our brain? <laughs> like, like, why does it lead to that? I think there's a few things going on. I think we look around at other people and we assume because we don't see people like sitting at bus stops crying or like walking down the street, having tantrums or, you know, like laying down and just like not wanting to move or go anywhere and do anything, just feeling so like hopeless or helpless. We don't really see that. And so we just see people going around in life, just sort of living life, doing their thing. And we're like, they seem fine. Mm -hmm. Right. How come I'm not? And so then we think that everybody else is fine. But the truth is most people think that we're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we're all just sort of walking around. We can't see in someone's internal world. And so we think it's just us that's struggling. It's just us that's going through these hard things. It's just us that is having a hard time. It's just us that, you know, has these thoughts that are going through our minds and these feelings that we are feeling overwhelmed by and these life situations that we feel like we're being swallowed whole by. And we think it's just us. And so, you know, one of the things that is always surprising, and it's it's really cool, but it's always surprising for people in my membership community in the Shift Society is that they come in and when they start to read the posts that people post, the things that people are looking for support with, looking for some tools and guidance with, and they're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was alone. Mm -hmm. I thought that this meant there was something wrong with me. I thought that I was just humaning wrong and everyone else had it relatively figured <laughs> out. And right. just that yeah. feeling and, and Dr. Kristen Neff, who is the creator of self-compassion has broken down um, self-compassion, like what it actually is into three parts. It's kindness to self, it's mindfulness, and it's common humanity, mm. right? This common humanity, when we truly understand that we are never alone in the things that we struggle with. And struggling doesn't mean that we are broken, flawed, weird, or an outlier. It just means we're human. And as soon as we bring in that common humanity and stop, you know, covering ourselves with shame, then we can start to clear it away and actually deal with it because we get so clouded under shame that we don't want to admit it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it, you know, because we're like, ah, if people knew these things about me, they'd go running for the hills. Yeah. And the truth is, if people knew those things about you, they'd probably breathe a sigh of relief because they'd be like, oh, thank goodness I'm not the only one. And give you a big that's, hug. That's, that's huge. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kind of thinking about all of everything that you just said and and, and being disappointed by life, but feeling like, you know, there's shame wrapped around that because you're supposed to be uh, somewhere different. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about today. Like maybe you're disappointed by career goals. Like you should have had this figured out by now. Maybe it's financial stability or wealth building. I, I should know. I've been humaning for 42 years. I should have my finances together. It could be success in your business. I've been in business for five years, you know. You have children who are acting out. You've done everything you can as a parent. What is your advice when people feel like, like I'm just not where I'm supposed to be in life. It's not going the way that I want it to be. And they start to attach all of the shame and meaning and things that are not really helpful. What is your advice when someone feels like they're not where they should be or life's not going the way it should be? Yeah. So the first part of that is that it's all just made up. So do these social prescriptions of where life should be at what point. And mm -hmm. maybe we kind of decided this, you know, that like, okay, I should be married by the time I'm 25. I mean, that was kind of when I was younger, like, yeah. holy cow, that's, 
Now I'm like kind of very young, <laughs> but uh, but I should be married by the time I'm 25, have my first child by the time I'm 27. You know, we have my career established by the time I'm 30, my vacation home by like 32 or my, you know, my actual house mm-hmm. by 31, whatever that is. We have these ideas and it's all just made up. Like it's all just thoughts. There's no kind of like divine wisdom that's like thundering down from the clouds saying thou shalt have this life order to be a worthy human being, Mm. right? We just make it up and then we base our worth on whether or not things have gone the way that we have made up that they should go. So then we start to feel bad about ourselves because we haven't fulfilled this like made up scenario that's only partially within our control. And so then we just end up feeling terrible. And when we feel terrible, right, when the human brain feels terrible, what it naturally wants to do is shut down and avoid. Mm. So then we're also dealing with the fact that like, I don't have these things in my life that I want. And I don't feel like going to get them because I feel like such a loser. And so then we continue to not have what we want because we don't have the motivation or the energy or the resolve to go and get it because we're just sitting around licking our wounds and feeling terrible about the fact that we don't have this thing at this timeline that was just made up socially prescribed in the first place. So that kind of runs a little bit deeper into this whole stuff or this whole thing. But we're talking about like how to keep going when you feel like giving up. What about if you took away this idea or expectation that it has to happen exactly like this? And my goal is to put one foot in front of the other and to continue to find kind of resources to help me, to find people to help me, to learn more things so that I can keep moving forward within this. And if something isn't working, try something else. Am I willing to take massive action instead of do a few things and be like, well, tried everything. I give up now. It didn't happen easily. So guess that's it for me. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen? And not just like doing things, but like doing the things that are moving you in the right direction. Often we do that too. We're like, well, I did this, you know, like I went, I went to the bingo hall to meet a man and you know, I didn't meet any. And it's like, well, so that doesn't work. There are no good men on, on the earth. Right. right? There's no good men. Especially right? the bingo, bingo ball. Bingo. <laughs> right? like, if you're like an, you know, whatever kind of person who's not even into bingo, but you're like, I heard there was lots of men out there playing bingo. So I went to the bingo <laughs> With hall. With a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't find one for me. So therefore there's no men out there. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, I've been trying these parenting strategies with my kids and then my kid is not responding. So I'm just going to keep trying the same ones instead of being like, okay, you know, maybe my kid doesn't respond to that because that's not the right strategy for them. Or with my business, I've been doing all these things. I keep showing up. I keep spitting out these podcasts or these YouTube videos or these social media posts, and it's just not getting any traction. Okay. But maybe this, I haven't learned how to do it in the effective way. I've just been doing it. Right. I haven't, yeah. but I haven't gotten any coaching around it. I haven't gotten any, any kind of anyone to help me learn how to do it properly. I haven't figured out where my audience is and what my platform is and what people want to hear from me, right? Like often we do that as humans. We're like, well, I tried. And then we're like, forget it. It's not going the way I want. I give up instead of being like, okay, how tenacious are you? And I, you know, I say that a lot. I was going to say, I say that a lot with me. Like I'm not the most talented or intelligent, you know, or, you know, remarkable human being on the planet by any means. Mm. But what I lack in intelligence and what I lack in talent, I make up for in determination. 
Mm. That's great. And, and it's funny when you were saying like when we are hurt and the brain wants to kind of get to a place where it wants to, you know, remove itself. I think about it when, and you're going to laugh, but I think about it from a standpoint of you stub your toe, right? You're walking in your house, you stub your toe on the couch, right? For whatever reason, we blame the couch. <laughs> no, like, no, no, we, no, we, no, 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 no. Men blame the couch. <laughs> well, well, I blame the couch. Wait, what do women blame? Women blame ourselves. <laughs> oh, that's well, that's what, and that's what I'm saying. It's like when things happen, it, it feels like sometimes we become the victim no matter what. And and like I've become the victim of this couch. This couch reached out and it stubbed my toe and it wouldn't happen if the couch wasn't there. But right? wait, but that, what she said was great too. Yeah. She said men blame the couch. So you didn't do it, but something else is to blame. <laughs> Women, because we're so hard right on thing. ourselves though, we say, you know, God dang, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> you didn't know the couch was there. Right. Like, why did I just do that? Why did I just, I'm so dumb. Why did I just get too close <laughs> yeah. to the couch? That's powerful. But either way, it's debilitating, right? Right. That's either what I'm way. Yeah. Over blaming mm -hmm. others, over blaming ourselves. It's all avoidance of responsibility. Right. That's what I thought of when you said that. I was like, yeah, I mean, I can remember times in my career where I felt like I was being victimized because of the situation I was in and it rendered me powerless. Right. And so it just resonated with what you said. And I think that that's huge because. Uh, you know, I want to get to a place where I'm not blaming the couch. I'm I'm just saying that's a bad situation to happen. And now I need to move forward and be more careful next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, and that's the truth, though, too, Eddie, is that there are often circumstances that are difficult for people, right? Like there right. are systems and structures in place that hold certain people back, right? And that can mm -hmm. get in the way. And there's also human beings who want to hold other people back. And so denying that there's barriers and being mm. like, well, I'm just going to, you know, do it anyways. It's, I mean, and pretend that that's not there. Well, it's not, it is, there, there are things that get in our way and it's not saying that I always have control over those barriers, but saying like, well, there's these barriers. So like, it's going to be too hard. I give up instead of there's these barriers. What do I want to do with that? Right? Like this mm. is this thing that I have to deal with right? What do I want to do with that? How do I want to work with that if I cannot remove it? So like you said, with the couch, I can't remove this couch from the room, but how can I work with and around the couch so that I don't keep smacking my foot into it? And the yeah. same is true for like your finances, right? Like, so I can't necessarily make more money perhaps in this current role that I'm in, but how can I work around? How can I find a different solution? Is that a part-time job? Is that doing more in my current job? Is that, so I think what you're saying is be tenacious and resourceful because blaming and being disappointed and overly shaming yourself is not going to be helpful. So finding some sort of area in the situation that maybe it's out of your control, but there's an element that you can control and there's an element that you can influence and there's something that you can do. And so I think that's what you're saying is like find that little thing that is tweakable, right? If you're having issues with your parent or your kids and they're not listening and you've been doing the same thing, well, read a new book and figure out a different way to parent then, you know? 
find an online coach that will help you figure out how to parent a teenager. Because why? There's no manual and you've never done it before. So you wouldn't be well versed in this. Or right? watch Euphoria and oh God, you'll know don't watch things Euphoria. can get worse. Right. <laughs> but you know, and that's it, right? Like I love that saying that says we don't always have control over our circumstances, but we always have choices within them. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. Right? powerful. So what great. do I do with that? Do I throw my hands up and say, there's nothing works. This isn't working. Yeah. There's too many barriers. There's, it's just too hard. Forget it. Mm -hmm. Or do I say, this is what I want and I will stop at nothing to get it Yeah, because I deserve that tenaciousness from me, right? Mm -hmm. I deserve that determination from me. I deserve to show myself what I can do. And, you know, really looking at the point of a goal is not just to reach the goal, although that feels lovely, but the bigger point of a goal is who do I need to, or how do I need to become in the process? What, how do I need to grow? What do I need to overcome? What do I need to face? What do I need to struggle through and get to the other side of? And how do I need to grow in this process? That's it, right? Like all of life Mm -hmm. is process goals are moments, but the rest of life is process. And so Mm -hmm. what is this, right? Instead of saying like, this is so hard, you know, this is going to be too hard. I don't want to do it instead of this is my chance to see what I'm made of, to grow, to learn, to expand, to experience, to create. And if I can stay in that energy, then nothing is really too hard. It's just stuff that we're doing to have this sort of bigger kind of life experience while we're here. Mm, Love it. That's good. So can I just ask you this kind of before we wrap things up? Since you're a counselor, you're a therapist, you know, you've gone to school for this. Do you have all your shit together? Like, are you like winning in every area of your life? Because I think people of would think that, right? Like, well, you give <laughs> advice, so your life must be perfect. Is that the case? I mean, I know the answer, but can you be real about this? <laughs> Anyone who watches my YouTube channel, I talk openly about things I'm going through so much of, you know, I think what makes me a good therapist and relatable is that I'm honest about being like, I don't have it all together. You know, what we're working, what I'm working towards right now is a half managed mind. If Mm -hmm. I can, you know, if I can manage half my mind, you know, a little more than half the time, then Mm -hmm. I say we're doing well. And can you imagine if we lived in the world where about half the population was going through life with a half managed mind, how much better our world would be? Like, can you imagine that for a second? Yeah. So we're, we're looking for, we're looking for growth right? We're not looking for perfect and we do not aspire to perfect because there's no such thing, but we're going for understanding ourselves better, you know, being more mindful and intentional about how we're showing up, about how we're talking to ourselves, about how we're thinking about things, about how we're interacting with life and, you know, with other people and even interacting with ourselves on a daily basis. Like, what does that look like? And so for me, absolutely not. I do not have it all together. I use my own brain a lot for as grist for the mill to be like, okay, here's what's going on. Let's sort this out. And here's how I'm using the tools that I teach, right? I use the things that I teach, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. What I love and appreciate about every time we talk, we get on and it's like no BS. It's like, what are you struggling with? How can I help you? Here's a resource. Let's do this. And we have no shame at all in like, these are the things that are holding me back right now. This is what I'm pissed off about. This is what I'm working through. 
And so I appreciate that. And I'm really excited for you to ship this book out into the world. You put a video up um, about things not going the way that you wanted them to go. And you talked about your book and writing this book. And it just was not a process that you thought was going the way that it was supposed to go. And so just using, like you said, your own experiences to uh, get people to understand that it's relatable. Your book, Drive Your Own Darn Bus, I would have put some explicit language in there. No! Yes. So we're going to give away five of those books to listeners that are willing to take a few minutes and write a review for the Push Podcast and then go follow Julia Christina. We want to send five copies of this book out to you listeners because I know that it's going to help change some lives and some perspectives. And I just want you to tell everybody where they can go find you. Your YouTube channel is amazing. So many great resources. But tell everyone before you go how they can follow you and connect with you and yeah, all the things. So I'm at Julia Counselor, counselor with two L's because Canadian. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's on um, Instagram and Facebook there. And then you can just type Julia Christina, Christina with a K on YouTube. It will come up. My website, juliachristina.com. Pretty much if you just Google Julia Christina, Christina with a K again, it will all come up. And yep. so, yeah. And we're going to link everything in our show notes. And, you know, I hope that you guys got something out of this because life is not going to always go your way. There will always be challenges is what I heard you say many times throughout this. And we're all dealing with challenges, but hopefully we can kind of minimize some of the shame and the, you know, self-sabotaging and beating up of ourselves, the emotional abuse that we give ourselves. And so thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing you think about how we would never talk to somebody else the way we often talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. if we could even be half as kind to ourselves and gracious and pleasant with ourselves as we are to other people, how much different we would feel, right? Mic drop. Done. Be kind to yourself, people. Go follow Julia Christina and pick up her book. We will see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. Goes through. Thank you for listening to The Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review you leave your handle and until next time push through